So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything. That's why Shopify's all-in-one commerce platform makes it easy to sell online, in person, and everywhere else. Sell on social media. Source products with an app to get that first sale feeling. It's the only solution that gives you everything you need to sell everywhere you want. So when you're ready to bring your idea to life, power it up with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome. This is Evelyn Bowden. Thank you for joining me. We're talking about change and how you also must be ready. We will look at uh, some social issues and technological innovations and talk about the nature of change. I used the first 20 years of my life as a starting point, the years from 1954 to 1974, and I moved forward to 2018. The idea for tonight's broadcast came as I read a church program that dealt with the Ten Bridesmaids. Ten Bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five foolish took the lamp, but no oil. Five wise maids took lamps and a flask of oil. The assumption here is that each has two lamps and equal opportunities to access the oil for the lamp. The bridegroom was delayed, so the bridesmaid slept. My thought here is this is an opportune time for the ones without the oil to go get some. But they didn't. They slept also. Then at midnight, the bridegroom arrives. The maids get up and trim their lamps. The five foolish ones said to the wise one, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise one replied, No, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the dealers and buy some for yourselves. While they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him into the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Because the foolish bride maid failed to prepare, they were not ready. The opportunity to go into the banquet passed, they missed it. And the door was shut. In the United States of America, there are those who believe that everyone has the same opportunities they had to have what they want or what they need, that if they are willing to work for it, they can have it. These people operate on the assumption that every action and interaction is for the perfect purpose of generating profit. Those profits are for the private owners or or investors. Shareholders privately owned production for a profit, emphasizing individual profit rather than own workers or society as a whole. They are against social programs that basically provide access that allow all of us an opportunity for self-actualization. 
They are against fair and living wages for the workers, the very workers that work in their companies, generating massive profits for them and their investors. And this, I need to remind you, is that is the exact philosophy that led to the formation of labor unions. Well, unlike the bridesmaids who have who all had lamps and all had the opportunity to have oil for them, in this country, this country is made up of small percentages of people who hold the largest portions of wealth and property and who willfully act to prevent those who are shut out from gaining entrance. In this country, one can be shut out for no cause of their own. Gender and race top the list. The topic for today's broadcast, you also must be ready, speaks to the fact that things change. Individually, we must be ready to face and deal with the change when the pendulum swings back in our direction. We also must recognize that change is not permanent, especially social changes. Change is also cyclical. What goes around comes around. This is why one must watch in order that they can also be ready. An example of change, or one example of change that I'm going to use tonight, has to do with Greenwood, Oklahoma. Greenwood, Oklahoma is an example of what happened when black people gain entrance into or through the shut door. Black Wall Street, 1921. 300 lost their lives and more than 9,000 people were left homeless. A sustained murderous assault on black lives and property took place. Greenwood was bombed. It was bombed from the sky by white local and national law enforcement authorities. Think about that. Greenwood was bombed by local and national law enforcement organizations simply because blacks had created entrepreneurial opportunities for themselves, a business center that included banks and hotels and movie theaters. They lived in contemporary homes and had a school system that superbly educated their children. Then and now, people who appear to make advancement towards the American dream pay a price. The deaths by cop, cop in this country are a reminder to us to keep in check, stay in your place, as this could easily be you, your child, your husband, your wife, and there's absolutely nothing you can do about it. In 2016, 258 black people were killed by police. 39 of these people were unarmed. But yet, even in the face of this, one must continue to observe and prepare to be ready. The opportunity that presents itself may be, may be the chance 
to change the courts or to take charge of a city and replace the narrative of death by cops. One never knows. One will only know if you are prepared or, or have the opportunity to know if you are prepared. We too must be prepared. The opportunity might simply be to live in a better town or a better community, less threatened to you simply because of the color of your skin. Let's look at you also must be ready in another light. And this is something that we are all familiar with. Remember I said earlier that uh, there were people who operate on the assumption that every action and interaction is for the purpose of profit, of generating uh, income for the private individuals and owners. Well, let's look at privately owned production for profit, place an emphasis on individual profit, for owners and uh, and investors, not for workers. And again, I said earlier, this attitude or this condition or work that workers were working under gave rise to labor unions here in our country. We're talking about economics and industrial changes. The first example I'm going to use is the uh is that in nineteen sixty four in the South, cotton was still king and tobacco second to it. Because of technological changes that began after uh, World War Two, by nineteen seventy four, cotton and tobacco had dropped to sixth place and that's from all all farm sales. Cotton. Cotton was king in 54, and 20 years later, 1974, it has lost that place. It was replaced by poultry. Chicken and soybean sales increased from 20% to 48%. Soybeans from... Um, 9% to 28%, uh, chickens from 20% to 48%. The problem, though, was that even with these increases, they could not offset the losses due to the decline in national cotton sales. And this Add to this the decline in sales of price per pound. Chickens in 1954 went for 16.8 cents a pound. In 1974, that had dropped to 9.7% a pound. That's a drastic drop, but we would probably take those prices now. But that was a drastic drop. Uh, The price per pound in 1954 for chickens was 16.8 cents per pound and 1974, 9.7 cents a pound. So now what? How are these farmers going to adjust and provide a living for their families now that technology has come and there has been a swift change into what um into what brought the income? It's no longer cotton, it's no longer tobacco. Uh, it's chicken and it's soybeans and their prices are low. So how are these form farmers going to uh, adjust and make a living for their families? 
have they anticipated the new technology? Have they become skilled, trained? Were they ready? History tells us no, they were not. The second example, actually examples two and three, are a little close to home for me. In the town where I grew up, the major industries were uh, paper mill, a chemical plant, uh, and a foundry that made iron. But in 1970, in the 1970s, all of those left. The owners made the decision, a decision that profited them. They left and left the workers out in the cold. The workers, many of them were taken by surprise, didn't know actually what was happening. And a lot of men, because most of them were men that worked there, a lot of men died waiting for these plants to reopen. Um, and fortunately for most of the men, of these men, most of them were skilled and in other areas uh, because even while they worked for these plants, they had other jobs. So they actually had other things that they could do to earn an income. But for them, that those uh, foundry jobs, that paper mill, uh, that was their life force. That was their that was their focus. They were company men, and uh, we still see that type of um, mentality with the coal miners hanging on to to the last thread, believing that these. Jobs, that technology is going to be there. The third example was that in the late 80s, early 90s, I was employed uh, as an administrative specialist. And at the same time, I was taking management training. And this was something that I was doing myself. One of the uh, department heads questioned why was I taking management courses when I was a clerical worker and questioned whether or not that was actually something that I should be doing. Well, she didn't know that I was had been doing it for a while, and I was paying for it myself because I knew I was at the top of the grade. There was nowhere else for me to go. I was in an academic environment, but I was not an academic person. So the only avenue for progression was into management. And the only way I was going to get there was if I had the management credentials. Now, I had a college degree, but it was not still in a field that I could use to get one of the, um, one of the management positions that would come available. And I also knew there were going to be some major changes in the area and that there were some openings that would be coming up. And I was trying to position myself to be ready to move into one of those positions when that opening came, and which is exactly what I did, because um, my only other options would be to, as I said, stay in the position or leave. If I didn't, if I was not able to move into management, but I did, I moved into into management. I was ready. 
the opening came, I was I had my uh, my management degree, and I was able to move in there into the position. Now, had I waited until the, a position actually opened, I wouldn't have been able to go into it because I was not ready. Not according to what they were asking for. I was not ready. So I had to prepare myself for that day whenever it came. And I did. And and that is the point of all of this. Whatever the situation, when, when changes occur, you have to be ready. Stay current. Stay current on the development in your field. If you're in a career, uh, if you are working for someone else, keep track of the changes that could impact that company, the company where you work, and especially changes that could uh, affect you and what you do. And if you own your own company, stay abreast of what is happening in your industry and in those other industries that feed into into your um, your company. This is what the bosses do. This is what the owners do. This is what the shareholders do. They watch for the signs of change, and they prepare based on what they see. And it is oftentimes the workers who are caught unaware, who show up to work one day, and there's a padlock on the door. The company is gone, and the company did not inform you. And companies won't. Uh, very few companies will give the workers a heads up that a major change is taking place. This is on you. You have to take that responsibility to know on yourself. Because, again, remember, the owners are in it for profit for themselves. And that's the long and short of it. Um, We don't like to think that this is is actually a, a driving force for someone. But in this country where we live, Yes, it is. This is a, a philosophy. This is where uh, how things are done. This is what drives it. I began, as I said, in preparation for this broadcast by looking at changes that um, took place in the first 20 years of my life, 1954 to 74. Technological, technological innovations were off the chain, as to were, were uh, social protests. Get it in 1954. You had African American civil rights, you had the Black Panther Party, conservative movements, you had equal and civil rights gay liberation movement, the Mexican-American civil rights, the Japanese-American redress. You had Native American movement. You had peace and justice movement, student movements, and women liberations. The 1960s. The 1960s have been called many things. But one thing that it has been called because of what it is, it was, in this country, it was a time of social 
turmoil, social turmoil, 1960. And yet here we are in 2018. We've come full circle. With the election of 2016, um, I made some statements about uh, things that I feared might have, might happen, and unfortunately they did, and they are. And those um, those fears of mine or concern of uh, concerns of mine came about because of what I'd seen back in the 60s and 70s and 80s. I had lived through what was coming. I saw the patterns. I was born in 54. I was the young child in the 60s. In the 70s, I was a college student. I saw so many major changes, so many different actions taking place. I knew the signs, and I saw the signs, and I expressed concern about it. And here we are, 2018, and some of us are not ready. Some of us still have blinders on. We're not ready to acknowledge that we've come full circle and not in a good way. We're not ready to recognize the negative consequences. Um, we want to talk about things uh, like being um uh, about being a Democrat or a Republican, you know, as opposed to, you know, one against the other. And when the big picture, it's not about any of that. It's about all of this other stuff that I'm talking about. And it actually will play out not only in in groups, but in individual consequences. And, um, you know, I did find it interesting as I looked at the 50s, uh, 1954 to 74, and in 74, I would have been 20 years old, um, getting ready to graduate from college. And I realized that my philosophy, if you will, um, the way I think uh, about things and the way I feel about things are rooted or have has its base into the changes that I saw take place in those early years in my um, growing up as a child, um, my years uh, in high school, right in the midst of um, desegregation, uh, my college years and with Vietnam and uh, all the protests, state and all of that, that shaped how I look at the world and and it also impressed upon me always the need to be ready to, you know, to be watchful and be ready. Um, And I think for those uh, people who have not had or did not have that experience, um, 2018 is, um, for some, it's a, a time of fear. For others, it's a time of denial. And um, the changes uh, that we're we're you know we've been forced to deal with uh, has has become a very very 
personal, very, very real, very, very scary. And, um, you know, we need help in, in, in how to deal with it, how actually to be ready to handle some of this, the stuff that we see coming. Fast forward to 2018. Again, we've come full circle, still on the list when we're talking about uh, social issues, still on the list, racism, issues affecting women, gay and lesbian rights, and unequal distribution of wealth, health care, Still on the list. This unequal distribution of wealth, uh, the privatization of um, services offering opportunities only to those who can afford it. The rich become richer, the poor become poor, uh, the middle class has just about been uh, wiped away. Um, poverty, approximately 17% of Americans live below the poverty line. Yet there are those who believe that if they just work hard and pull themselves up by their bootstraps, they can they too can have the American dream. How can you have the American dream? How can you pull yourself up by your bootstraps when you don't have boots? Unequal education funding. There's an increase in dropouts because of poor school conditions, poor service within the school. A lot of um, is, uh, in fact, uh, definitely in the South, uh, resegregating. Now, in and of, as far as I'm concerned, that's not necessarily a bad thing because of the consequences of segregation, uh, of desegregation. I know what goes on in the classrooms for children who are unwanted simply because of their race and ethnicity. Teachers who intentionally withhold teaching and learning from a certain group of students simply because of the color of their skin. The school to prison pipeline because of the color of the skin. Desegregation did not serve black people well or black students well across the board. Crime and incarceration, again, unequal and unfair law enforcement and an unequal and unfair judicial system. Increased cost of living. Health care. We'll talk about health care a minute. There are a lot of think tanks, uh, think tanks that are operating right now, uh, trying to address the issue of health care. Should health care be available for all people, whether they have money or not? Those individuals who have the money say, no, say, these people 
are a drain on the system because they don't take care of themselves. They don't work to pay their way. They make unhealthy choices so they're sick and therefore a burden on the system and are not entitled. This is what the people that have the money and have all the access to any of the health care that they need, this is what they say of those people who, just by circumstance, just by consequence of their circumstance, are not able. Some of these people are working. They're working minimum wage jobs in the companies of the very people that say they should not be entitled to health care. And they believe that, again, these people are solely responsible for the conditions of their bodies and therefore responsible for um, their need to uh, have access to health care. But what about those people who are in need of health care as a result of the conditions that were left by your companies that operated within their communities that polluted the very air they breathed, the water they drank, leaving them with a myriad of cancers and um, different other uh, diseases, heart disease and lung diseases, because the pollutants that your company left within their community. When you decided that it was no longer profitable for you to be there. This is what this is the discussion. This is uh, uh, what is being said. This is the argument, and you are not entitled. Making it just because you happen to be poor in this country, not of, uh, of any of your own doing, but just because your situation differs from theirs, you are not entitled to health care. Uh, the discussion now is how can we reduce the cost and still get what we need? And and if the we are um, the rest of us, not the small um, number of people that control the vast amount of um, land And um, and well, there are some that says say that we have too many specialists and not enough primary care doctors. Um, far too many doctors order unnecessary uh, tests and procedures. I'm, I'm looking over at a survey uh, uh, questionnaire on healthcare. How do we reduce costs and still get the care we need? Now, I'm an advocate of uh, prevention. And I do think that sometimes some of the physicians throw pills at a condition that probably could easily be fixed with maybe a change in diet or exercise activity. 
But, again, I am for prevention. I'm for becoming informed about how to prevent uh, certain types of of, um, conditions and ailments and proceed to do that and only have to uh, get into a health care situation, whether it's emergency room or regular doctor or a surgeon or specialist or whatever, when you have to try to prevent. Now, um, I've noticed that that there have been has been a rash of hip and knee replacement, and I'm thinking how how can so many people need knees and hips replaced? There, there's something seems to be something a little off kilter here. The other thing is there. Um, the prescribing of um, cholesterol medicines and um, some of the painkillers, are they absolutely necessary in all situations? Is Are there no other um, measures that can be taken prior to the prescribing of certain types of medication. And I say that because as with anything that is foreign to our bodies, when you introduce that to it, there are some direct consequences, and not all of them are good. You may treat one thing but create another. And it's that type of thing. But that's just my personal issue. Um, got off pressure. Healthcare. I believe, yes, everyone should have access. And everyone should be treated despite the color of their skin, despite their ability to pay. Now, how we pay for it, there there are lots um, of ways, and one way is to minimize, uh, by minimizing the cost by preventive measures, and also you can um, move some of the areas, some of the service areas into the community, the community health centers, or wellness centers, um, churches, community centers, and rec centers. They can be places for those wellness checks that now uh, are done by visits to the doctors every three months. If you cut out some of those repetitive every you know, every three months you go to the doctor to get your blood pressure checked, your um, sugar checked, and get your heart rate checked. Those wellness checks come back to the community. Um, there are drug stores uh, within the communities that will do those checks, but they, are, they can also be done in community health centers. And they can be done... Uh, because it's in the community, that there's also an opportunity to notice some of the changes that take place, especially with the elderly and the young, the, the children. Uh, if, you have, if they're handled within their communities where people can see them more regularly than every three months or six months or a year, then they will can can be able to notice some of the physical signs that are present that indicate that something's going on, that there's some kind of change taking place within the body that perhaps needs to be looked at 
and um, get ahead of get ahead of, uh, of of any changes there. Be ready in all things. You too must be ready. We must bring this to home to the individual. A friend of mine. Uh, and I love to travel. She's in one state, I'm in another. But each of us have our bags packed. We have our go bag. We're ready. Even if we don't get to go, because there have been times that we have uh, planned our trips and we spent months and months, you know, waiting. And then something, at the last minute something comes up and we don't get to go or we didn't get to go, but we have our bags packed. We're on standby, just waiting for the opportunity to present itself, and we're all. Um, This is something that we have to do. We have to think about uh, in every area of our life. That's lives. That's why uh, in Tonight we were talking about um, everything from lamps uh, being uh, not being prepared with oil for for lamps to cotton no longer being king in the South to technology changes, technological changes that affect jobs to the fact that there are. Companies or there are people that believe that profit is everything and that everybody should be able to get what they need and what they want just by working for it. And But, that, but at, at the same time, these same people will run interference to try to prevent you from getting the same thing that they they possess. I invite you to visit onlinetreasurestore.com. There you will find several collections of vintage and collectible items. I invite you to browse around and visit visit often as we add things uh, just about every day. The, you may email me. The email uh, address is ewbowding at hotmail.com. That's E-W-B-O-W-D-E-N at hotmail.com. You can email with questions or comments or suggestions for um a new uh, new and different programs, all of that uh, uh, is accepted. Um, we solicit your response. Or if you just want to drop us a line and, and make a comment, that, uh, that that's good also. Um, I want to thank you for listening again and share with others and join me again um, for the next uh, next program, we will be broadcasting again on Thursday nights uh, for a while. Um, on Thursday night, invite people, share the archives, and uh, feel free to call in. Um, the numbers are 929-477-4087-929-477-4087. The number that you can call and and get on the air uh, with me here uh, and let's talk with Evelyn Bowden. We will continue our discussions um, primarily having to do with um, issues that will help us to grow and also help us to be prepared for uh, the various changes that we must go through. Um, I just scraped the surface here because there are other areas of life that uh, where changes take place. Uh, 
and we have to adjust. And um, so, as I said, I just we just scratched the surface. So, in future programs, we will uh, perhaps pick up with that. I will pick up and talk more about health care. We're going to talk a little more about race and women issues. Um, a big one that is about to, um, I don't want to say the word explode, I hope it doesn't, but a big one that is about to hit us is just, um, have basically uh, has to do with religion. I saw where Attorney General Jeff uh, Sessions is um, calling for a religious task force of all people. He is calling for a religious task force. This country came about because people were looking for a place to freely to have free expression of religion, and um, here we come with one. I think probably the second most. Actually, no. In my opinion, the first, the uh, the first um, um, most dangerous uh, man in in the in the most uh, importance of of a position in this country, and that is um, Jeff Sessions being the Attorney General. Anyway, join me next time on Let's Talk with Evelyn Bowden and share um, the broadcast with others. Thank you. Good night.